Setting up a business in the UAE, I must say, is very straightforward and you get a lot of help. Hey everyone, welcome to the Startup Sweden's series on female entrepreneurship in the Middle East, North Africa, also known as MENA Market. We sit down with some inspiring women, changemakers disrupting industries to hear their stories on what it takes to make it in MENA. You will meet some of the hottest startups and their very ambitious founders. Our goal is to highlight MENA as a potential market in your expansion plans by providing you with insights on opportunities, culture and trends affecting the region. My name is Maral, I am the head of Nextdoor Nordic, the neighborhood app, and I'm your host for this series. Today we have a very adventurous uh, suite who is uh, living in Dubai, who is the founder also of two companies, running the cool companies at the same time, and also in three uh, active on three different continents. Welcome, uh, Erika, and thank you for being part of our inspirational uh, talks uh, that we're doing here for Expo 2020 from the Swedish side. And I would like you to um, start by introducing yourself, who you are, and what do you do? What are those companies that you run? Sure. So my name is Ulrika Hedlund. Uh, I'm Swedish and I live in, the du in Dubai and I have for the past 14 years. I started my career in technology. I've always been very passionate about technology. So I started uh, with a master's degree in electrical engineering from the Royal Institute of Technology in Stockholm and started working at Microsoft. And uh, that took me to Dubai in 2007. So I started working for Microsoft Golf and I never thought that I would be an entrepreneur. I was very happy in the corporate life but then I, uh, I did an executive MBA. And then after that, my mind opened up to new possibilities and new adventures. So I resigned in 2010 and I set up my first company, Business Productivity, which is a media and production company. And so we started working with companies, Swedish companies and companies based here in the UAE. And the whole idea was really to help them increase their business productivity using technology. So we produced videos for them. We told stories and we showed them what was possible. And soon we saw that there was a need for a service where we provided organizations with uh, continuously updated content. So in 2018, I founded Storials, which stands for Story-Based Tutorials. And this is an adoption service, and we provide organizations uh, with services to really help them build their digital muscles and become more productive uh, using technology. And that's a very nice, like it's, uh, when I read about your business, it sounded like, oh my God, with the, like it sounds so simple but so necessary especially during this all corporates they do digital the transformation and so on so uh, very good uh, spot-on idea but I want to go back a little bit before when you said like you resigned from your corporate role uh, corporate role was there a specific like reason or a moment where you said okay I don't want to be employed anymore and I want to start my own journey so I think the seed was planted while I was in London Business School. Um, like I said, I never had the, the dream of becoming an entrepreneur, but I met so many amazing people and I saw that 
there's so much that's possible. So the seed was planted then. And it was also a little bit of, of a personal uh, situation. I, um, while I was doing my executive MBA, I became pregnant and I had our first son uh, while I was in school. And so doing a full-time job, uh, doing an executive MBA and having a child uh, was a lot <laughs> at the same time. And when I was done, I went back to, uh, to Microsoft and I was just, um, I was filled with a lot of ideas and also being a mother, I cherished other things. So I wanted to be able to have uh, better control of, you know, where I traveled and where I spent my time. So I think that was also one of the factors that led me to do it. Okay. So, so basically what is, what, what does story else? Is it called, is it correct? I'm spelling like story else. Yes. Story else. What is the actual service that you provide with it? So when people ask me what Storios is, uh, or my mother asks me, I kind of make it very simple and I say, you know, Netflix, there's a lot of, there's a lot of content on YouTube or everywhere in the world, but people still pay for Netflix because then they know they can get the, you know, the service that they want. Storios is a similar service for corporations. We provide them with videos and stories that show them how they can work smarter using technology. So it's a service that they subscribe to, and then they can enable their users to use the tools properly. So many organizations invest a lot of money into technology and to digital tools, but they don't invest in their people to educate them and to inspire and motivate them on how to change their behavior. And if you want transformation, you really need to drive change. And by just showing people how to do it is not enough. You need to show them what's possible and inspire them. And that's what we do with Storios. You're such a good storyteller so that I could listen to you for hours. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so that's, uh, that's basically like uh, a very unique value that uh, corporates during their transformation uh, adventure, let's call it, uh, or process, they really have a lot of resistance by employees and your solution is just a perfect uh, uh, match. When you look back at your entrepreneurial uh, journey, what are the milestones or the highlights that you are most proud of? Oh, that's a tough question. Being an entrepreneur is like being on a roller coaster. <laughs> so every single day uh, you're faced with a new challenge that you have to overcome. I think if you ask me what I'm mostly proud of, I would say how we've managed to really create high quality content that really helps people around the world. Since the beginning of the year, we've increased our website traffic with over 250%. We have over a million YouTube viewers and we've increased our customer base um, twofold. So I'm really proud that we've been able to establish ourselves as leaders in the digital workplace and leaders in driving adoption. But at the end of the day, what really gives me goosebumps is when I get uh, to connect with end users, when I get testimonials or when I get comments of how we really help people. And especially during this pandemic, when a lot of users have been forced to use tools that they don't know how to use. And through our guidance and through our storytelling, we've made that easier. 
no, definitely is a good business to be in during those times. But before we go into more about the Corona, uh, so you started uh, your businesses in or originally in the UAE or in Sweden? So I set up the first business originally in the UAE. And we've also set up uh, Storios uh, in Sweden. Okay. And uh, so why did you choose UAE per se as a, as a marketplace to start your business in? So for us, it became, or for me, it became very natural to start the business here because I live here. So it wasn't a tactical choice. It's just where we lived. But we did make a tactical choice to start the business in Sweden because we have a desire to move back to Sweden. And we also have um, a lot of our colleagues in Sweden and a lot of the network. Yeah, it's a, it's a great example of how can you do business in between uh, Europe and the MENA region. I mean, you're, you're, you have a foot in each, each part. And was it easy to set up a business in UAE? Like, can you maybe t walk, walk through a little bit like the differences, how it is in UAE versus how it is in Sweden, let's say? So doing business in Sweden compared to the UAE is very different. I think it's very important that you uh, understand um, that it's very important to be here and to understand the differences. Setting up a business in the UAE, I must say, is very straightforward and you get a lot of help. Um, it's everything after that that's, that's a challenge. But there's also a lot of help that you can get. Um, personally, I'm a member of the Swedish Business Council and they provide a lot of great support and a lot, a lot of great information. I also make sure to um, create and be part of many informal networks with other business professionals and entrepreneurs. And we support each other a lot. And we uh, ask each other questions and give each other support. So networks, uh, net, it's always the same. Like you have to have the right network and the, the, the support system. And or did you have... Um, um, did you reach out, like you said, uh, the Swedish uh, Business Council, but did you reach out to other local organizations that like others uh, who are maybe European uh, startups, not necessarily from Sweden, that they could also benefit from locally in, in UAE? Absolutely. When I moved to Dubai, I was working for Microsoft. And through Microsoft, I was also connected to other types of networks and also uh, um, studying at London Business School, I still stay in touch with many of the, the former students there. But you're absolutely right. Having a good network and the informal um, information is extremely important. I would say even more in this part of the world than in Sweden. You know, Sweden is quite different as a, in terms of culture than uh, the MENA region. So what, how would you characterize uh, the culture in the MENA region from a business perspective, like the business culture? The business culture here is very different from Sweden. Here, it builds a lot, again, on relationships and the people you know. And it's not necessarily about having the best product or the best service. It's really about building those networks and those partnerships and leveraging that. From a business perspective, is it uh, like uh, a necessary thing to be able to speak Arabic uh, to to make to have business in in UAE? 
So I'm always ashamed over the fact that I've now been here 14 years and I speak very, very little Arabic. Um, I only know, you know, common phrases. My children know more Arabic than I do. The business language here is English. So there is no problem doing business here without knowing Arabic. With that said, again, the social gatherings and the discussions and the relationships are built, um, you know, off work. And then it's a great benefit to be able to speak Arabic. Yeah, it's a little bit similar to the Swedish business culture then, like... You can work if you speak English, but to socialize the fika time, as we call it, is, uh, is always nicer if you know some Swedish uh, to participate. Yes, and I don't think this is uncommon for you know, Sweden or the MENA region. I think as, uh, as humans, we're more natural with our mother tongue, and that's when we can be ourselves, and that's when we can build stronger relationships. Definitely. And... Um, uh, when, when we talk about languages and like if European startups or scale-ups, they want to expand in the region, are the uh, like regulations and the processes, are they also in English? Is it like, let's say in Sweden, we have everything uh, legal, almost translated to English as well, because we get a lot of talents from abroad coming in to setting up their businesses here. How does it look like on your side? So I can't speak for the rest of the MENA region, but in the UAE, uh, the official language in terms of the courts and the police is Arabic. So there's a great support for all of the expats so that you can always get you know, help uh, in English, but the official language is Arabic. And is there any uh, specific uh, recommendation or tips that you would like to give if, let's say, we have uh, a European startup that would like to go to and expand in, start a branch in uh, UAE? Like if you can give a couple of tips on uh, what they should think. So my first recommendation for anyone who wants to set up a business here is to be present um, and also to connect with people who have lived here and who have those experiences and those relationships. I would say unlike Sweden, where things are quite uh, well documented and processes are more easy to follow, here it might be more difficult. So here again, it's really beneficial to speak with people who have lived here, who have experienced what it's like doing business here. So that would be my, my number one tip. The second tip would be to have patience and not be frustrated if things don't work the way that you're used to. I would say that things here um, are not better or worse, they're just different. S certain services are really, really fast and super modern, well as other services are quite outdated. So again, that's also like a roller coaster. And uh, again, my, my recommendation there is just to have patience. Uh, so uh, now we are living in uh, a, a special moment in the world with the pandemic, with the corona. How, that, how did that affect your business? So I would say that COVID-19 has affected our business uh, both in a positive and a negative way. So the positive is again that 
whether or not people uh, want to use technology, they've been forced to use technology. And like I said, here in this region, they've said that, no, we cannot have digital meetings. We have to meet face to face. Well, now they don't have a choice. And when they really push themselves, they realize that it works. We can have these digital meetings. And when they use the technology, they also need to learn how to use the technology. So that's the benefit from our business. The downside is, of course, that a lot of organizations have been financially impacted and they cannot spend money on anything but the bare, bare essentials. So then they find content that's available for free on the Internet. So they cut their budgets and they, they just find what's available out there. My recommendation and what I tell organizations is that your most valuable resource are your people. And it's not just about providing them with the digital tools, but you also have to provide them with the training. And you can't tell them to find the answer themselves because then they will spend so much try time trying to find the right solution. Their time is very scarce. So make sure that you make the most out of that time. That's a very good advice. And um, I've seen your, uh, I've watched uh, some of your videos that you have, really great quality content. But I noticed at the same time that you are the main person in uh, most of the videos, uh, if not all. And there's, that's something that I have um, discovered talking to other female founders that uh, usually they, they have a hard time putting themselves out there. So how do you cope with that and um, what did you was it natural for you to just like be the center person in the video when building a global business you always have to look at scalability and how do we take this business um, even if I were not there how do we make this grow so first of all, having me as the front figure, figure is important in terms of building that connection. I believe that in today, in this digital world, really having that human connection is extremely important. But we also look at how can we bring all of our other colleagues and all of our other productivity experts and coaches that we have into this umbrella that's Storios. So we're doing this in many different ways. Um, first of all, we have created our avatar, Stella. So Stella is like the combined knowledge of all of the great people and the network that we work with, their knowledge. And also through the Storios network, uh, our customers um, have access to a lot of expertise. So there is a longer term plan. And we are also looking at using um, new types of technology with artificial intelligence and bots in order to take our collective knowledge and provide that in a more um, exponential way. Okay, so it will be less like uh, real human images, but more animated a combination i always believe that the human touch together with the automated and the online digital is the best back to the second part of my question so what would you advise for other female founders who have uh, let's say a hard time accepting that it's good for them to be the face of their companies something that they could be proud of and like they don't have to share maybe so much of their private selves but more professionally so what would your advice be to them it's always hard to find the right balance between being an uh, official business person having to be the face of your company and at the same time 
having your private life. Personally, I've drawn the line that I never show the faces of my children. I never show um, personal or, and private settings. For me, those are, you know, for, for me and for my family only. And you also have to set boundaries for what you allow others to see. But here you can also get a lot of help. There are people that can help you if you don't feel comfortable. Um, and here I get a lot of help from our communications manager. Every week when we sit with our team, we decide what goes on the official channels and what goes on, uh, you know, more private channels and what is for me only and for my friends and family. Okay, that's a very good point. Okay, two more questions. Uh, so uh, the first one is, uh, what's next for you and Storyhouse? You hinted a little bit on that, but I still want to hear it. So I'm very excited about what we're doing and where we're going. Uh, we have big plans. We really want to become the number one partner for all organizations that want to accelerate uh, the adoption of Microsoft 365 and digital tools. So in order to do that, we need to do a lot of things. Having the story-based learning solution that we provide is not enough. We need to provide different types of digital services. So we're launching what we're calling a mini boot camp. So we will be hosting uh, these digital gyms and where we have digital coaches that really help users uh, to build their muscles. Uh, we're also offering a number of different types of, of workshops. And the beauty is when you do this digitally, you can really scale. Right now, we have uh, people in, in Europe and in the USA. We're also looking at a more global expansion. So we have a lot of exciting things coming up. And uh, maybe a fun last question would be, you said you are talking a little bit Arabic now. Uh, is there a favorite word that you have that uh, is quite good to, to say to other European founders that they can pe uh, get by in UAE? A good word to know and to understand is inshallah. <laughs> inshallah. <laughs> and shukran. Yeah, I can and imagine. Shukran. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Thank you so much, Erika. This was really uh, fun and uh, very uh, inspirational as well for me and for the listeners, I'm sure it will be. And uh, good luck and we'll follow your story. Thank you so much for having me on the show. If you're a tech scale-up interested in expanding in the MENA region, apply to Startup Sweden's Access MENA Bootcamp.